Thank you. Um, as you might have noticed, my lovely bride was helping me up the steps over there. Um, and that is because, and it's relevant to the sermon today, that's because uh, this past summer, my life was hijacked. Sorry, I'm trying to get my little timer started here. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just going to go on. It's never going to end. <laughs> um, yeah, this summer, my life was hijacked. I, on June 27th, I went in for what I thought was going to be a routine doctor's appointment, which turned into a visit to the ER, which then turned into getting admitted to the hospital and being diagnosed with acute stage four and stage renal disease, which means my, basically my kidneys were done. And they uh, pretty much gave up the ghost. And uh, so then I started an adventure, which ended up being a total of about five weeks in the hospital and uh, finding out my kidneys were done, my kidneys were shriveled up and dying. And then uh, added onto that, I got to experience uh, infectious blood disease, bacteria on my major organs, a bit of a stint in um, ICU, which I don't remember much of uh, because I was pretty much, you know, sort of out of it. And I remember some of the hallucinations that I had, (laughs) you know, which included my nurse coming at me with an ax. (laughs) Yeah. And then there was one point where (laughs) And I didn't even share this stuff in the first service, but, you know, I, I woke up, I thought I woke up in the middle of the night and I'm looking around my room and there's a couple of these get well b- balloons, you know, the chrome balloons that kind of float. One of them was tied to a bear and that was real. Um, but then there was another one that looked like it was tied to an iPad. And I thought, well, I, my iPad's old. Maybe somebody got me a get well iPad. So the next day I'm going, so where's my get well iPad? You know, and I was really kind of mad. I thought somebody stole it. And they're like, no, there's no get well iPad. You know? So that was kind of life as I knew it there for a while. And, uh, but basically, like I said, you know, it kind of hijacked my life. And, and, uh, and that's what some of what I want to talk about today is what I've been, you know, learning, dealing with and living. Not, and not just me, but my wife and my kids and everybody connected to me. And um, so, you know, talking about how do, we, how do we handle what we think we can't handle? <laughs> and what I wanted to start with is the idea that sometimes we get messed up, we get jacked up spiritually because we make common misunderstandings of Scripture and, and misinterpretations that, you know, that sound good, but they're not right. Uh, for instance, how many of you have heard the verse... Where two or more are gathered, there I am with them in their midst. How many of you have heard that before? And we typically think about that in regards to prayer. That if two people show up, then Jesus shows up. Apparently, if one person prays, Jesus doesn't show up. (laughs) But if two people pray, then I guess he shows up. So it's kind of like, well, if you can't get two people there, I'm not coming. You know, I'm not even going to bother. And actually, that verse is not about prayer at all. Uh, That verse is found in Matthew 18, and if you look it up, it's in the context of basically how to deal with difficult people in the church. (laughs) And uh, when Jesus says, there I am in their midst, he's not talking about prayer. Because really, if Jesus is in your heart, he's here. He's with you when you pray, if it's just one of you. He shows up. (laughs) Okay. Then there's another verse that's often uh, misunderstand, that it's harder for a rich man to get in the kingdom of God than to stick a needle in the eye of a camel. How many of you have heard that one before? Let it 
Think about it for a little bit. Let it wash over you. <laughs> you know, and it's just so easy that we, we misinterpret things or we misunderstand things. We don't take the time to really understand. But often we will begin building beliefs, sometimes even behaviors on misunderstandings, misinterpretations, without realizing we're making an honest or sincere mistake, but a mistake nonetheless. And so one of those mistakes that people often make is God will never allow more than I can handle. How many have ever heard that one before? The Bible doesn't actually say God will never allow more than you can handle. And so we interpret that to mean that God will never allow more heartbreak or rejection. And then we wonder why we can't handle heartbreak and rejection. Or we might say that God will never allow more hardship or adversity. And then we wonder why. We experience hardship or adversity that we can't handle. And what does it even mean to handle something? If I have an illness, illness that is terminal, does that mean I can't handle it? Is that more than I can handle? So will God allow more illness or affliction than I can handle? And that's a question I asked for a while. Am I going to get through this? Well, I'm going to get through it one way or the other. <laughs> You know, one way or the other, I will get through this. Not sure exactly how it's going to end. I'll get through it one way or another. Each day is going to happen. A day is going to end and the next day is going to start and I'll get through it one way or another. And so the issue really is what does, does the Bible actually say this? And unfortunately, this is a misapplication. This idea that God will never give me more than I can handle is a misapplication of 1 Corinthians 10, 13. If you are a scripture memorizer, if you've ever been in a Bible memory program of some kind, you might have memorized 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has taken you, such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear. But with the temptation will provide a way of escape also that you may endure it. So the idea that God will not allow us to be tempted by something that we cannot resist is a really a different, it's true, but it's a different concept than the idea that I'll never experience more than I can handle. Because we kind of make this blanket statement and without ever defining what does it mean to actually handle something? <laughs> what does it mean to handle something? Okay, so what I want to talk about today um, is, you know, like I said, a few myths that often come out of that. Like, for instance, some common myths. It's never God's will that I'm unhappy. That's a myth. I've heard people say, well, I don't think God ever wants me to be unhappy. Really? Why not? What if being unhappy for a while could turn out to be a good thing? What if being unhappy for a while would deepen your character? What if being unhappy for a while would allow you to understand what unhappy people go through and what it's like to not always get your way with everything? Maybe unhappiness is something we need to experience once in a while. I mean, really, what if every day everything went exactly the way you want it to go and you were always happy? Well, it could be boring, but how would you ever identify or empathize with someone who doesn't always get their way? And believe me, after a while, people don't want to be around you. <laughs> I 
I mean, people get tired of going, yeah, how's it going? Well, I'm having a hard time. How about you? No, everything's perfect as it always is. <laughs> My life is always good. Every day is sweeter than the day before. There's another myth that it's never God's will that I suffer hardship. And the way that we know that this is revealed is when, we, we, when you listen to prayer requests and when people get together and they pray for each other. If somebody says, well, I'm going through a hard time, oh, we need to pray that a hard time ends. You know, I'm really struggling right now. Oh, we need to pray that that struggle ends. And so people are constantly praying that things get better, that things get easier, that things get happier. We pray that for each other because maybe somehow we're convinced that it's not God's will that we ever suffer or experience hardship or ever experience some unhappiness. And so the myth is God will not allow more than I can handle. When I was in the hospital, I had a roommate, Frank, who one day, you know, we kind of always had this screen between us, you know, and so he goes, so, uh, and he had overheard some conversations I was having with people, and he goes, so, you're like a minister or something? And I said, or something, yeah, you know, kind of, I've been called worse. <laughs> he goes, so, do you ever ask yourself, why me? And I thought, and I said, no, I don't, actually. I said, I, I guess I would ask, why not me? I said, I, I don't have an expectation that I should somehow be exempt from hardship or illness. I said, that doesn't mean I love this. I don't. I don't, I don't like this at all. This, did not, this was not part of the plan. <laughs> Getting my life hijacked by kidneys that don't work, that were, you know, that uh, basically the kidneys are not lasting, are not going according to the warranty plan. You know, everything else is still hanging in there, but these aren't. And I said, but no, I, I, don't, I don't have an expectation that, that somehow I should be exempt from something like this. And I said, this is the life. This is life, human being. This is part of what we live. And so the Bible never promises that God won't allow more than we can handle. So then how do you handle what you think you can't handle? How do you handle it? When stuff comes along and you think you can't handle it or you're not sure you can handle it, what do you do? I remember one time I was with somebody in an emergency room who had suddenly, you know, had been told that they had a broken back and they were going to always live with it. It turned out that they just had, you know, some pulled muscles and stuff, but it was presenting like, you know, that kind of thing. But, and he goes... Why is this happening? We're good. We're not bad people. You know, as if illness or hardship or suffering should only happen to bad people. And then who gets to decide who the bad people are <laughs> as opposed to the good people? Well, we do that by comparing ourselves to our friends mostly, right? So I always tell people, if you feel like you're having a really hard time, you know, find friends that are going through harder times. You know, or if you don't feel like you're a very good person, then you need to find worse friends. <laughs> Make friends with really bad people, and you'll start feeling good about yourself a lot. You'll be the best person you know. You know? So the first thing you got to do is you got to recalibrate your expectations. You got to recalibrate your expectations. Few statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John in verse ten. He said the thief, and sorry, in chapter 10, verse 10, he said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. 
It's talking about the enemy of our soul. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. How many of you have ever heard of the abundant life? Maybe you've read a book about how to have the abundant life. And often sermons or books about how to have an abundant life really mean how to have a happy life, how to have a happier life, how to have an easier life. But then in in John 15, verse 16, he said, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. Understand what you signed up for. It hated me first. It may hate you. The world may hate you. And then he said in chapter 16, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So abundant life, hmm, Because then he goes on and he talks about being hated by the world. And he talks about going into a world where there's trouble. Even though he's overcome the world, the world has trouble. So the abundant life could include happiness. It could include ease. But it's also going to include hatred and trouble. The abundant life doesn't just necessarily mean an easy, happy life. The life that Jesus promised is, it could be troublesome. Now, he's overcome the world. And heaven is perfect. The book of Revelation says there is no more mourning, no more tears, no more crying, no more pain in heaven. With the implication being, there's lots of that stuff here. There's lots of that stuff in this life. Crying, tears, pain, mourning doesn't mean it's only that. It's not exclusively that. But it is that. It does include that. In Romans chapter 8 is what I call the hospital verse. And I've talked about this a few times so that there was a couple of people, who I, one person at least who came and visited me when I was in the hospital and said, okay, I know what verse not to quote. <laughs> okay. But there was someone else who didn't know. <laughs> and it says in Romans chapter, 20, chapter 8, verse 28, In all things God works for the good of those who love him. The reason I call this the hospital verse, because I always say, so if I was walking across the street and got run over by a bus, and then I'm laying in the hospital, then probably all my good Christian friends would come in and go, don't worry. In all things, God works for the good who loves or love him. Someday, you're going to be glad you got hit by a bus. (laughs) And so we expect that the good of Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 28, that the good is some kind of payoff. That if God allows trouble or adversity, that there's some kind of payoff, that down the road, God's going to squeeze something good out of it, and we'll go, okay, all right. Thank you, God, for running me over with a bus. But actually, the good is in the next verse. It's described in the next verse, verse 29, where it says, for those God foreknew, he also predestined, what? To be conformed to the likeness of his son. That's the good of verse 28 that in any situation that in all things what is God working for to make us more like Christ and so there were a lot of moments where I was laying in a hospital bed 
saying, all right, God, how do I become more like you? How do I let you make me more like Christ right now in this situation? How are you going to use this unexpected hijacking of my body and my life to make me more like Jesus? That's the good. It's not some kind of distant payoff. It's not some kind of let's make a deal. You have a hard time and I'll make it worth it down the road. No, that's not what God's saying. He's saying in any situation, no matter how hard, no matter how tough, if we brought it on ourselves, if somebody brought it upon us or just the result of biology, God's saying right now, right at this moment, how are you going to be one more like Jesus? And God will do that. He's like, I'm ready to do that. I'm, that's what God, what's on God's mind. It's how do I become more like Christ right then and there? So the first thing is recalibrate your expectations. There's a quote by a guy named Paul W. Powell who said, God is more concerned about our character than our comfort. His goal is not to pamper us, but to perfect us. Man, that's tough. The next thing is this. Recalibrate your expectations. The next thing is stop asking God for help. Did he just say what I think he said? Did they know he was going to say that? Stop asking God for help. You know, how often do we go through a week asking God to help us do things, become more kind? God, help me be more forgiving. God, help me be nicer. Help me to be more patient. Help me to be more loving. When Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it's a little known verse, but I think it's so profound and so powerful. Where it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, careful. It doesn't say he's blessed us with every financial blessing. No promise on that. It doesn't say he's blessed us with every relational blessing. No promise on that. No promise that every relationship is going to be exactly the way we want it. But it says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Well, the same author, the Apostle Paul, said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. So quit asking God to help you be those things. Because he's already helped you. In fact, replace the phrase, help me to, whether it's being, help me to be more loving, joyful, patient, kind, peaceful, whatever, with thank you for the spiritual blessings that enable me to be that. So instead of, God, help me be more kind, God says, I already have. I've already given you that spiritual blessing. Just be more kind. God, help me to be more loving. I already have helped you. Just be more loving. You know, quit acting as if you don't have those resources, those blessings. You know, and kind of blaming it on God because you're not loving, you're not kind, you're not patient. Well, I'm a jerk because God hasn't helped me be not a jerk. No, God's going, no, I've given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places to not be a jerk. (laughs) 
Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is yours in Christ. Now, if you are in Christ, meaning you have said yes to God's forgiveness through Jesus Christ, that you've said yes to God's love, that you've accepted the promise of eternal life in heaven with God, that through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, you know for sure that if you died today, you'd be in heaven with God, then you have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everyone. And so we convince ourselves that we don't have them because we don't act like it. So we think we don't have it when God's going, you know, it's too bad that you don't act like it because you got everything you need. Everything you need. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place. So quit asking God for help to do and to be the things that he's already blessed you to do. So recalibrate your expectations. Quit asking God for help. And then the last thing is this. Be honest with God. You know, one of the hardest parts about going through something that you think you can't handle is if you're afraid to really be honest with God. If you're afraid that if you told God exactly how you feel, that you might hurt his feelings, or you might disappoint him, or that it would mean you're not spiritual. Well, in the Bible, in God's Word, there's a whole book of prayers. It's called the Palms. <laughs> it's in the center. <laughs> okay, just go to the center of your Bible, open it up, and you'll be in the book of Psalms. It's a collection of prayers that God included in his word for our benefit. In Psalm 13, King David, who was very transparent, very open with God, wore his heart on his sleeve, was disappointed with God. He was in battle, wasn't going well. And so he wrote Psalm 13 to describe how he was feeling. And just an excerpt from that. How long, O Lord... Will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? So he's starting out basically, where are you? Have you forgotten me? Are you hiding from me? No, the answer is no, but he's, that's how David feels at the moment. And he said, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and every day have sorrow in my heart? I'm all alone out here. I get no help. And it's kind of like, God, you promised you'd be with me. You told me we'd be victorious and uh, things aren't going so well. And he's ticked. He said, how long will my enemy triumph over me? You said my enemy wouldn't triumph over me. He's disappointed with God. He's mad at God. And God includes this in his word as an example to us to say, you can be honest. You can say what you're feeling. You're not going to scare God off. He's not going to break up with you. He already knows how you're feeling. He just wants you to know if you trust him enough to say it. He knows the difference between what we feel and what we know. And sometimes what we feel is just what we feel, and we need to say it. We may say, yeah, I feel like you're not here. I know you are, but I feel like you're not here. But sometimes we just need to be honest about that. That's all God wants. He just wants you to be honest. 
And there's something about that raw honesty that can draw us closer to God. Knowing that I can be honest with God and he's not going to run away. He's not going to get scared off. You think God doesn't know that the way he's dealing with your life is not disappointing you? You think he doesn't know that? If you're a parent, you know what it's like to make decisions that make your kids go, you must hate me. (laughs) And maybe you go, it probably feels like that. (laughs) Probably feels like that. I understand why it feels like that. You know I don't. I know I don't. But I can understand that it feels like that. Sure, of course. I've had to say that to my kids. I know that you think I'm ruining your life. And I probably am. But that's a different issue. (laughs) (laughs) But be honest with God. Tell him you don't get it. You don't understand. It feels like everything's going wrong. And it must be God's fault. Because there's, there's something about that honesty that is very bonding between you and God. That draws you into a, a level of trust and closeness that you really don't experience any other way. So recalibrate your expectations. Quit asking God for help. Be honest with God. And this week I want to challenge you. Take a look at some of the assumptions you have. Are there certain disappointments that you're experiencing because you've kind of been depending on something you read on a bumper sticker? (laughs) And you've been trusting that, you've been depending on that, or maybe there's something that you kind of expect, but you never actually looked it up to see if it actually is biblical, you know? Check into that a little bit and just see. Are you experiencing disappointment, discouragement because you have an expectation and you've been trusting something that really isn't even something God ever promised? Do you need to recalibrate your expectations? Is there a subtle expectation in your life that God owes you something? That he promised you a perfectly happy life? And now you're disappointed and frustrated because you're not perfectly happy. And what if God's going, hey, why do you keep blaming me for this? (laughs) I never said that. Recalibrate. And the next thing is stop asking God for help. Think about the things that you ask God for help. And start thanking him for every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Everything that you need to be the person God is calling you and challenging you to be is already in place. Instead of asking God to help you be spiritual, be spiritual. (laughs) Start being those things. Saying, thank you, God, for giving me everything that I need to be everything you want me to be. And then lastly, if you're struggling, if you're frustrated, if you're disappointed, if you're angry with God, Go somewhere and tell him. Just sit down and tell him out loud. Say it. Say what you have to say. Then God will probably go, that's good. Are you done? Is there anything else? (laughs) Well, okay, probably there. You know, it'll probably start bringing up all sorts of stuff that you never said (laughs) that you've always been meaning to. And that's okay. That first session may be a long one. (laughs) So I cut loose some time. But be honest with God. God's honest with us. 
His word is brutally honest with us. It tells us who we are. It tells us things we don't always want to hear. And so it's okay to just be honest with God. You're not telling him anything he doesn't know. But sometimes there's something about actually hearing it from the lips of somebody you love. Be honest with God. Let me pray for us before we wrap things up here. So you could bow your head and close your eyes. And, you know, earlier I mentioned what it means to be in Christ. And if that's not something that describes you, if that's, or maybe it's not something that you are sure of, maybe you're not sure you're really in Christ, or maybe you're sure you're not and you want to be, today could be that day. Today could be that day. Because if you're at all insecure or unsure, being able to look back and say, on October 9th is the day that I said yes to God's love. I said yes to God's forgiveness. I know for sure from this day forward that if I died today, I'd be in heaven with God forever. Then I'm just going to pray a short prayer that I prayed that you can make your own so that you can know for sure. Heavenly Father, I need you. I need you to come into my life. I need your forgiveness. And I accept that. I need your love, and I accept that. And I need your promise of eternal life in you after I take my last breath of oxygen, and I can accept that now. And for all of us here, when we go through these hard-to-handle times, especially when we're wondering if we can actually handle it, Maybe we need to recalibrate some expectations. Maybe we need to start thanking you for the spiritual blessings instead of asking for them. Maybe we need to just be more honest with you. And so, God, I pray that you'd meet every single person in this room, wherever they're at, wherever they're at with you, and that they could know that you meet them right there. You accept us completely. You are for us. I really liked that song that said you love us and you're for us. That you, God, you're not the enemy. You're not the thing holding us back. God, thank you for your word, which contains truth, but we need to make sure we're understanding what it says. <laughs> that we're not forming expectations based on common and easy misunderstandings. We at least owe you that. So, thought God, thank you for each person here. Thank you for this day. Thank you for this place to gather. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. Thank you, John. We have an opportunity to respond and to continue in our worship through giving our tithes and offerings. And if you're visiting, then we hope the service is a gift to you. Uh, we just ask that you drop the connect card in the basket as it goes by. Uh, we have a team of people who will pray for, the, for any of those requests written down. Um, and if you call Hope Covenant Church your home, then we invite you to give joyfully and to give generously to what God is doing here. And uh, I mentioned this first service that... Um, 
as I was listening to John's sermon, I, I just was reminded that, um, you know, God wants all of us. And sometimes that um, we don't always think about how that implicates in our finances. Uh, at Hope Covenant Church, none of the staff knows what anybody gives. Um, and so really, this is just between you and God. It actually really is. And we just want to just say that, you know, there's many different ways that God might be encouraging you and inviting you to respond. And, and for some of you, that might even mean uh, to, to give. And so um, I'm just going to invite the ushers to come forward. Um, and just again, would, would God uh, use these gifts uh, to further his kingdom here in this church and in Chandler and around the world?
following the service here, if you would like prayer for anything, if you made some sort of a commitment and you just want somebody to pray with, there'll be a prayer team up here. They would love to pray with you. And now I'd like to just invite John to come up and, uh, and just thank you for sharing your heart so authentically with us this morning. <laughs> would you send us with a blessing? You know, one of the things that uh, I, I strongly believe and always want to encourage people with is that everything that God does in us, he also wants to do through us and into the lives of other people. So if God is speaking to your heart, if God is working in your heart, or maybe you can even think back and say, oh, yeah, you know, I learned that lesson, man. I, I know exactly what he's talking about. Then realize that it isn't ever, it's never just for you. It's never just for you. There's, there's someone you're going to lock eyes with this week or this month who needs to hear about that. Someone you need to sit down next to and say, hey, let me tell you. <laughs> I know exactly what you're going through. Let me tell you what God did. Okay, so I want to encourage you as, you as you send off today, just realize everything God does in us, he wants to do through us and in the lives of others. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Thanks for having us. Appreciate it.